You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Recently, Adam Wainwright became the first starting pitcher since 2009 over the age of 40 to pitch seven shutout innings while allowing just one hit. In other words, he's still got it. He has spent his entire 18-year major league career with the St. Louis Cardinals, where he has teamed with catcher Yadier Molina. In fact, if both men stay healthy, they will establish a major league record for the most games as a starting battery. Besides being an outstanding pitcher, Adam is active in his community as evidenced by his selection as the 2020 Roberto Clemente Award winner, given to the MLB player who best exemplifies the game of baseball, sportsmanship, community involvement, and contribution to his team. He's active with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Pro Athletes Outreach. Adam, welcome to Sports Connections. Thank you for having me on. All righty. Let's start with your relationship with Yadi. How special will it be to establish that record for a pitcher and catcher together? Well, that's a great, I mean, achievement for a few different reasons. Um, one thing that that isn't really being reported too much on is, is we just tied the all-time record for most wins as a battery, um, which is uh, really kind of almost more important to us than – than the total number. Um, but to break that record in today's game is, is, it would be a crazy thing. I mean, it's just not, it's not going to happen again. Um, almost certainly never going to happen again. Uh, these, these are records from the fifties, you know, uh, and before that, that we're about to break, you know, Bill Freehand and Mickey Lolich, they're pitching the, in the forties and fifties and maybe sixties with the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, and it's just – it's been a long time. The way free agency works now, the way players move around, um, changing teams, and and, uh, and and us also, you've got to play a long time. We, we've yeah. been, been blessed to play a long time, but we've been even more blessed to play a long time together. So it's been a cool thing. And it's so rare that you, that you play – one, you play a long time. Two, you play a long time with the same team. To do that with another guy who played a long time with the same team – over basically the same time period. That is so rare. I think you're right. This is probably going to be one of those records that's that's never broken. Um, how does your relationship with Yachty extend off the field? Well, he and I, I mean, you know, we kind of grew up together, not just baseball players, but as 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 men. You know, we uh, we came up as teenagers against each other. I, I remember the first time I ever played against him was in 2003 he was with the Tennessee Smokies double-A Cardinals and I was with the double-A Atlanta Braves Greenville Braves uh he went one for three with a little single up the middle <laughs> you um, still remember it <laughs> oh absolutely but uh he and I have, have learned life lessons you know yeah. we've been we've been through you know getting married pre-married getting married having kids you know being away from kids being away from wives um struggling with different things at time, dealing with our faith, you know, family stuff, teammate stuff, people leaving, teammates leaving, managers leaving, pitching coaches leaving, hitting coaches leaving, everybody leaving except for us. You know, we've been the only ones that have stayed and, and uh, we've just seen a lot together. We've seen a lot come and go. We've, we've, we've dealt with a lot together. I mean, you know, what started out, I would say, Honestly, what started out as a baseball relationship just ended up being a lot more. I mean, just from from just putting in time and and really caring about each other and 
wanting to see each other succeed and really, you know, praying for each other and, and, and rooting for each other and, and fighting for each other and doing whatever we needed to do. Um, you get close with somebody like that. And I've, as you know, I've covered sports for more than 40 years. And what I hear the most from ball players, not just baseball, but all sports, what they miss the most after uh, the competition ends for them is not the competition, but the relationships. Is it going to be hard for you to distance that? I mean, obviously you'll probably still stay close with, with Yachty, but how hard will it be not to see him on a daily basis? Yeah. I mean, every single person who's ever been close with me through the game has always said the exact same thing. You said the things you miss are the big league dinners that you have with each other and the bus rides and the plane trips and all the, the times playing cards and, and uh, hanging out in hotel rooms and, and, and time spent during rain delays. And, you know, there's just so many stories that you just can't, you know, people aren't doing what we do. Like the bankers aren't doing what we do, you know, yeah. like lawyers aren't, you know, smacking each other on the butt and, and spitting sunflower seeds on the floor and, you know, <laughs> wrestling each other or whatever. I mean, this just doesn't happen um, like what we get to do. And it's just uh, it's a wild world that, that a baseball player gets to live in and, and, and what an incredible blessing it's been. Um, but it'll it'll be tough. I know it will be because, um, you know, like Skip Schumacher is back now. He's our bench coach now. But but Skip and I were inseparable for 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, inseparable. Yeah. And then, you know, he ends up going to Cincinnati and the Dodgers, and you don't see the guy hardly ever. So that's the thing about baseball that's pretty unique to, to the rest of the world is you can spend every day with somebody for 10 years and they get traded or they retire or whatever, and then you could never see them again. And it happens all the time. Not, you know, that happens sometimes in every walk of life, but it happens almost every time yeah. in this, in this uh, line of work. And, and a lot of times people aren't even from the same country or state as you. So it makes it even tougher. Yeah. Now you too, along with Albert Pujols are nearing the end of your careers. Rumor is that all three of you may be retiring at the end of the season. I don't want to you know, say something that's not true, but there's certainly thought that all three of you would would go three certain Hall of Famers, by the way. I think there's going to be a pretty big uh, red colored uh, party in Cooperstown in 2028. What do you want people to remember about the three of you as St. Louis Cardinals? Well, I just hope they look back and and uh, see winners. You know, that's I think that's what all three of us want um, is to know that we were a part of of one of the winningest eras in Cardinal history and, and that Cardinals got a, a long history of winning and yeah. this has been the best eras uh, that there's been. And, and so, you know, that, especially that time from about 2004 to about 2014, man, that was, that was incredible stuff that, that was going on in St. Louis. And, and uh, we're trying to get that back now. We've got a few playoff teams in a row. We've got a great chance to, to win this year. And so, you know, I think I've missed the playoffs maybe six times um, in 17 years, something like that, uh, which, which means we've had a chance to win pretty much every year that I've been here, which is yeah. all you can ask for as a player. And, I, uh, you know, I don't know you well, but I, I heard that you are somewhat of a baseball historian. How is it possible for you to 
put yourself into a position in history. You say, as I look back, I think Adam Wainwright belongs here. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't know how to do that. And I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, all I know is that I'm just very fortunate and blessed to, to have been able to come back and pitch for a couple of years after I've dealt with some injuries in 17 and 18, mm-hmm. being able to come back and pitch a couple of healthy years, and a couple of quality seasons has really um, seemingly turned the tides of some of those conversations, which, which makes me happy. You know, yeah. um, I always said, I, I, you want to, when you go out, you want to go out kind of on top um, in a way that you, you know, that you choose if you could. Um, but it almost got taken from me in yeah. 2017 and 18. And uh, that would have been hard for me. Yeah, because I, if I remember correctly, 17, you got you had Tommy John surgery, and there were a lot of people that said, boy, it's been a great run for Adam Wainwright. Too bad his career is over. Talk about your your determination, your your battle to get back to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I well, it wasn't – I had uh, some cartilage removed. Uh, okay. In the backside of my elbow in, in 17, 14 and 17, and, and uh, 18, it really started – even worse started hurting. And I, I, I thought I was going to retire and I thought it was over and it was, it had been a good run. And, and I stopped throwing actually. And, and I was just going to kind of be a cheerleader. And the only reason I kept throwing was because Dominic Leone, my teammate at the time who was rehabbing a, a, his own injury needed a catch partner. And so I changed the mechanics of my throwing delivery a little bit. Uh, and somewhat for some reason it started working, you know, it stopped hurting so much and, I changed my diet. I stopped eating uh, sugar, dairy, processed foods, gluten, stopped eating all that for 18 months, um, changed my workout program, changed my conditioning program, changed everything. Because if you're going to continue to do something at a high level, but it stopped working, you have to change the way you do that. You have yeah. to change the way you get those results. And so um, I did it. And luckily, things you know seemed to turn around. And, and uh, here we are four years later, still playing the game that I love to play and, and uh, just couldn't be any more blessed about it. Well, speaking of delivery, you are known for your curveball to the extent that your nickname is uncle Charlie. <laughs> How did you develop such a great curve? My brother, Trey, seven years older than me, uh, taught me all my grips pretty much taught me, uh, how to study the game of baseball, taught me how to watch the game of baseball. You know, he was a, my brother's a valedictorian of his high school. He was a graduated top honors at Georgia tech. Um, McKenna or uh, industrial engineer turned lawyer. I mean, just the guys, the guy's a brilliant, you know, genius type person. And he, and I'm more of a, just kind of go out and do it type of guy naturally, right. Just physically more gifted than I am um, uh, mentally in in that regard. But, but he really taught me um, that it was more than just going out and competing. There was, there was ways mentality. There was ways to watch the game, to get better, to learn, mm-hmm. uh, instead of just kind of flying by the seat of your pants, really having a reason behind things. And, and it's really when I watched, when I grew up, we watched the Atlanta Braves, really studying Tom Gladden, really studying Greg Maddox, really studying John Smoltz, what made each and every one of them unique and, and special in their own way and trying to figure out how I could pull some of that into my own game. And so we would cut out, clippings of Greg Maddox and those guys in the Atlanta journal constitution constitution, put them up on the wall, highlighted, 
Um, you know, it's just a, it was a lot of cool things uh, that he taught me, but he taught me the grips. He taught me all that stuff. And now we, we just diminished our potential audience by one, because after those compliments, you're not even going to tell him you did this podcast. You're not going to tell him how much you gave him credit, right? <laughs> oh, no, I tell him. I tell him all the time. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about your off-field activities. Uh, you know, you got the Roberta, Roberta Clemente Award for all the different things you do. What is your favorite community involvement activity? Um, I mean, probably my favorite thing, when we're involved in a big project, we've done a lot of water projects all over the world and, and food projects all over the world and um, clothing and medicine and all these things. When we do those things, my favorite thing to do is to go experience it, to go, you know, when, when, when I go to Haiti and, and, and see the water program that we've put in place, I want to drink that water. Yeah. I want to make sure that it's good. You know, I, I would not give them something I wouldn't drink myself. You know, I, I want to make sure that the system's working and that everybody's using it. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, we're not missing something. And I want to go take pictures and bring it back to the people who are our donors or whatever and say, look at what y'all have done and helped to accomplish here. You've changed lives. You've changed this whole situation. One of the best things that my wife and I did just individually, we did a, uh, a medical clinic in Haiti uh, just outside of Cap Haitian. And there was no medical facility at all. Hmm. The only thing they had was uh, a roving sort of mobile doctor station that they would, they, Dr. Wislin and a couple other team, uh, of his team would travel around and go see people. But there was such a need, you know, there's people being, born in, you know, huts and with no medicine and no cleaning devices or whatever. People having to try to figure out C-sections and all these kinds of things. But we built a medical clinic right there and it serves as a hospital now. And I think, you know, I think the first year alone, they delivered 1500 babies or something and, wow. and uh, treated so many people for, you know, malaria and AIDS and all kinds of really just kind of brutal stuff, cholera, and, uh, and then putting on, on property a, a, a water mission, uh, clean water initiative there that, you know, all the water is perfectly 99.99% perfectly crystal clear, awesome, no, no uh, infestation whatsoever. Now you got clean water. Now you got medicine. Now you got kids who can go to school. Oh, by the way, teamed up with Kyle McClellan and a couple other group, great groups to build an orphanage on site, build a little, uh, a little uh, school, elementary, middle, high school. Oh, by the way, we got a vocational school right next door. So now you're seeing people who aren't sick, whose tummies don't hurt because they're drinking horrible water, who have clean water, but they have medicine now. They have, they have school to go to. Now you're seeing it, 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 the, the, the spider webbing effect of, of what can be done. So that's one of the coolest things we've done. And that's some of the stuff we've done and in Haiti and Honduras and, and the Dominican Republic and all across Africa and Romania and some of the places are very similar to that. You know, one of the, and obviously all that stuff is really, really amazing stuff and awesome stuff. But the thing that you said right at the beginning that really triggered something in me is you went and experienced it. You didn't just give your money, you, you know, as a professional athlete, you're blessed beyond a lot of what a lot of people do. You didn't just give the money. You went there and did something and then you experienced it. One of my favorite stories 
uh, of a missionary was a guy who was uh, ministering in a leper colony in South Africa. And he wanted to show them that he cared about them. And they invited him to stay for dinner. And he knew he was taking his life in his hands because he was being uh, given food that a leper had just touched. But he had a son with him, his like 11 or 12 year old son. And he realized he would have to go home and tell his wife that he, you know, he did this. He gave his son some of this food. And he said, if I didn't do that, it would have killed everything I had done for 10 years leading up to that. You going there and drinking that water and letting them know it wasn't just your resources, but it was you personally made more impact than probably all the money you could have contributed. Yeah, and to see it firsthand, to see third world situations um, is a life-changing experience. It's yeah. a, it is real, it's a real time of, of understanding and and reflection on what we actually have and the blessings we have here uh, in this great United States. I mean, you know, when I hear somebody say our, our airports are third world, they're not. Yeah. They're not third I've seen what third world looks like. Our airports don't look like third world. Trust me. Um, there, there are some really dire situations out there. There's a lot of people who really need help, who really need food, who really need support. And, and if they can get that support, then they can get some momentum to yeah. really go out in the world and make a difference and have their own life uh, be completely dramatically, um, radically changed. But if they don't get that support, there's no momentum and there's no steam building up where they can actually get it, get something going. You know, you just need yeah. a little bump every now and then. And, and so we love finding those people and, and trying to help out. Now, I know you're a humble guy. How did it make you feel to get the Roberto Committee Award? Oh man, that's, that's the, the top, the top accolade of my whole career. No question about it. I mean, what a, what an incredible legacy to try to live up to. Um, but to be in the same conversation as, as the great Roberto Clemente, his humanitarian efforts are legendary. I mean, you know, the guy just cared about people so much, cared about his country so much, cared about helping others so much. Baseball was his platform for doing that. Baseball was, was the platform that allowed him to reach more people. And to help more people. And that's exactly what I'm trying to live out is, is this is an incredible job that I get to do this incredible platform. And because I get this platform, man, I can't waste it. I have to, to use it to fulfill this mission that's given to me. And, and, and that's what we're trying to do. Speaking of mission, you're active and involved with Pro Athletes Outreach with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Just talk about that aspect of your life. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's, that is the mission, right? That's where the mission comes from. Um, to whom much is given, much is required. I understand that, that, that I've been given a lot of talent um, to play this game of baseball. I understand that I've been given a giant platform to play this game of baseball. I understand that, that I'm in this situation for a reason. And my, my teammate, coach, friend now, Skip Schumacher, uh, he says, bloom where you're playing it. And, uh, and that's what I'm trying to do. You know, there's, um, there's this situation where uh, I could play this game of baseball and just go out and play for me and, and just play for money and just play for my wife and kids and not care about anybody else. There's a, there's a situation where I could do that. Um, but I would not be able to sleep at night because, because I know in my head that there's people that need help. I know that, that, the Lord that I serve was the greatest 
um, example of how to live and how to love that there's ever been. And that's how I'm trying to model myself after. That's who I'm trying to model myself after. And at the end of the day, if people know me for more for loving and giving than playing baseball, then amen. That's a great thing. There you go. All right. Talk about Jenny and the kids. Well, I've been married um, 17 years. Got married, yeah, 17, almost 18 years. Um, I met my wife when I was a junior in high school. I met her before that, but we really started to know each other um, when I was a junior. She was a senior. Been together ever since. We went to homecoming my junior year and uh, and have, have not looked back since. We have five kids. Um, my oldest daughter, Bailey Grace, is 15, and she's in high school now. My second daughter, Morgan, <coughs> is uh, 13. She's in middle school. She's in seventh grade. My daughter, Macy, is uh, 10, and she's in fourth grade. And my daughter, Sadie, is six, and she's in kindergarten. And my, Caleb, my son, Caleb, is three, and he's in preschool. So there's a lot. Of, I got five kids in four different schools. Uh, pulling me in a million different directions, really pulling my wife in a million different directions, but we're having fun together. And I was, <clears throat> was going to ask you if you had any Y chromosomes, but uh, your, your son proves that you still, you had a few in you. So that's good. I always like to wrap up my interviews with this. Tell me what your legacy is. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, you know, I, I'd like to think that um, what I want to be known at from my teammates was a great friend and a great teammate. Um, and, uh, maybe in St. Louis, uh, a great friend and, and a, and a winner, you know, that, I mean, I don't know what, how else to, I don't know what else I could ask for besides that. And, and, um, as somebody that maybe that somebody that just, that guy was a true disciple, that would be something that would be really great. All right. Great, great way to wrap it up, Adam. It's, it's a pleasure to visit with you. I will miss talking to you when the Cardinals come to Kauffman Stadium. Uh, we had fun the last time you were here. Um, I, I know the email I sent you is that that uh, obviously the, the secrets that you gave away uh, to me about how you were going to approach the Royals really affected their lineup. Uh, great. You gave up one hit in seven innings. So obviously I don't have a whole lot of, uh, of pull in the Royals clubhouse either, but it's good to catch up with you. And thanks very much for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.